Now, we're, we're going to look at a psalm today that, that's very similar to the psalm that we looked at last week. And both of them were written by David. Both of them were written in a time in David's life, a season in which things were very, very stressful. Things were very fearful. Things were very painful and hurtful in his life. And there was just a tremendous amount of chaos going on uh, in this moment in David's life. And last week, we kind of focused in on the fact of how those kind of moments affect our feelings. And we dove into that, and we talked about how our feelings can be so deceptive. And I'll say it again, the most convincing liar you will ever encounter in your life are your own feelings. Your feelings will tell you things are true when ultimately they are not. Your, thing, your feelings will tell you things are not true when ultimately they are. You're the most convincing liar, and you may encounter a lot of liars in your life, but the most convincing liar you will ever encounter are your own feelings. And so we dove into that. Today we're going to look at a similar season, but we're going to see that David is addressing not so much his feeling. We're, we're watching that, that David is addressing his mind and his mindset. And, and because David understands that the mindset that we have is very, very powerful and ultimately determine the steps that we take in life. And so we're going to look at that. Now, last week, we didn't really know the circumstances that surrounded the writing of the psalm. All we knew that it was painful. All we knew that it was stressful. All we knew that it was hurtful. This week, it's different. We do know the, the circumstances that surround the writing of the psalms. And let me set it up for you. David was a great king, but he wasn't a perfect father. Nobody is, but he, he had some, some things in his fathering that, that caused chaos in the family life. And I'll give you one example. He had a son named Amon. Now, Amon, he had an, an unhealthy, you could even say sickened attraction lust for his half-sister, Tamar. So much so that he orchestrated events where he was alone with her and ultimately he raped his half-sister. Now, that's horrible today. It is even more horrible back then because anyone that was raped, any female that was raped, they were kind of given a scarlet letter, and no one wanted to have anything to do with them. So it's kind of a, a relational and even life-death sentence in some way for her. David's response to that was to do nothing. For whatever reason, maybe it's like he was worried about the family image. Maybe he just didn't like chaos. Whatever it was, it was kind of like his response was, hey, I'll take care of Tamar. I'll make sure she's okay. But this, let's get it just behind us. Let's just get past it. Let's just, let's just, you know, the best way to deal with it is not to deal with it and just move on to something better. Let's just do that. And that's how David handled it. Not the best way to handle it. Another son, Absalom, got enraged because he was the full brother of Tamar, kind of took care of her. Ammon was his half-brother. And he was enraged with what he did. He was mad at his father for not doing anything, mad at his half-brother for what he did. And so he plans, if my dad's not going to do justice, I am. So I'm going to plan the event to, to inflict justice on my half-brother. And what does he deserve? He gave her a death sentence. He deserves a death sentence. So he plans this big celebration, a family feast. And he invites everybody, including David the king, and says, hey, let's just, let's just have, listen, you know, we're the royal family. Let's just get together for a great family celebration. And David's like, I'm busy. I can't be there. But go ahead and have it. It'd be great. And so he does, and he gathers everybody there. And, he, and his thinking is this. What my, David, what my father did is not deal with it in private. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to 
I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to give justice, and I'm going to give it public. And so when they were all there in the front of everybody, not hidden behind the tent, but in front of everybody, he murders, Absalom murders his half-brother. Absalom doesn't know what David's going to do. Because after all, he knows what his half-brother did to his sister. But that wouldn't murder. So, you know, this is a little crossing the line. And so he takes off and he flees. Escaping the, any possible retribution from his father, the king. And he lives there for years. And it comes to where David misses Absalom. Wants to see him again, wants him back home. It's a typical story of a father just yearning for the fellowship and relationship of his son. And so he sends a message. Come home. Come home, Absalom. You're not going uh, to face uh, you know, the, the wrath of the king over what you did. Just come home. And Absalom says, oh, get to come home i get to be with my people my culture again and he and he comes home but what he didn't know is david was inviting him to come home so that david know that he was safe here in the in the city of jerusalem with with the the jewish people and but he wasn't going to let him come to him in the palace and so he was close but there was an arm reach distance he was keeping him away and that was almost worse than being off because every day he'd walk and he'd see the palace and know that his dad was right there but his dad wouldn't let him come and events happened in such that Absalom did have a audience with his father and it was okay it was good but then when he's left the message was sent you can't come back Absalom was hurt why did I even come back this is more torturous than when I was away because I didn't have every, this to see with my eyes. And what often happens, happened. He was hurt. And when we're hurt, when we don't deal with that well, hurt turns into anger. And when anger is not dealt with well, it turns into hatred. And then Absalom got to a place where he hated his father. And so he began to talk to people, and know what he did? He went around, and he was very charismatic, and he just said, you know, we can do better. Whenever the subject went back to his father and back to the kingdom, back, you know, we can do better. David does this, this, but we can do better. You know, and pointing out every little fault of his father, and he would just end it with, we can do better, we can do better. And somewhere along the way, that changed to, I could do better, I could do better, I could do better. I'm in line for the throne. That whole lineage thing, blood thing, I've got that. And guess what? I could do better. And over time, he began to collect an ocean of people who agreed that he could do it better. So much so, there came a day in which he launched a coup and chased his father off the throne, out of the palace. And he, David was now being hunted once again, as he was with Saul. And it was in the middle of this chaos, the middle of this pain, that David writes this psalm. And when you read it, you kind of think, was he? In yes. He has a purpose for it. Psalm chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? He's just acknowledging the situation at hand, how dire his situation is. How hopeless his situation, how painful, because 
the tax, you know, he already, always, always in the history of the Jewish people, they always had people just waiting, just waiting to attack. So there's always enemies, the Philistines, the Amorites. I mean, there's always someone there. Those were his foes. But now he says, how many are my foes? This is not attack from outside. This is attack. He's being run off his throne. His life is being threatened by his own son and by his own countrymen. Where was he to go? Where could he run to? He's acknowledging, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. He's acknowledging that people have said, you know, in the past, we can just see how God saved David here, and how God came through for David here, and how God came through for David. And he's saying, even the innocent bystanders looking out at this situation go, that's too dire. (laughs) I know David's been rescued by God in the past, but God will not deliver him now. This is just too hopeless. And then he switches gear. In verse 3, he says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who who lifts my head high, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. For the Lord come, from, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Now let me ask you this question. Who is David's audience here? Well, you can look at verse 1 and verse 3. So it was God, Lord. How many are my foes? Verse 3 says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. It's God. But Verse 4, he says, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Now he's not talking to God. He's talking to someone, maybe you, me, someone, whoever's going to read this. He's talking to them about God. So who is his audience? Is it God? Is it you, me, or someone else that read this? No. He's kind of all over the map, but ultimately, God, uh, David's primary, uh, primary audience is not God, it is not you, it is not me, and it's not anyone else that will read this. His primary audience is himself. And here's what David's trying to do. David is attempting to control his mindset. That in this moment of chaos, in this moment where he's being chased out by his own son, a moment where it just seems so hopeless and helpless, this moment in which he's very hurt, the thing that he is trying to protect is his courage, is his resolve, is his strength. And David understands that if I'm going to be a man in this situation that is hopeless by its view, if I'm going to be a situation where I'm able to continue to walk forward with courage and resolve and strength, The thing I have to protect, the thing I have to address, the thing I have to maintain and and, and, and build up is my mindset. Because listen, second only to your emotions, whatever your mindset is at any given moment in time will have the dominating effect on your beliefs, on your faith, but also on your confidence, on your courage, on your resolve, on your strength, 
and ultimately on your behavior and your actions. Your mindset at any given moment is the engine that drives the actions and reactions of your life that is especially true when life is chaotic and life is painful and you are hurt. This is why sometimes you'll find yourself doing things that go against what you believe is true. Doing things that you know are in opposition to what you have faith in. There'll be times that you believe that God, and you'll say you believe and you have faith, or that God is sovereign. You believe that God is in control, and you do believe it. And you believe ultimately that God's principles will prove themselves out to be right. And yet you do not go in accordance with them. You do exactly what is contradiction to those things. Because at that moment, your mindset was such that it was at a place where it was moving, it had convinced you out of, uh, and it deteriorated and had corrupted to the point that you'd lost your courage and confidence in the very things you said you believed. And as a result, your mindset, not your faith, not your belief, but your mindset in that moment de- uh, dominated and determined your actions in that moment. And you go back and you look and you say, why did I do that? Because it doesn't match up with what I know is true. It doesn't match up with where my faith is. It doesn't match up with where my belief is. The reason you did it is because in that particular moment, your mindset had become deteriorated and corrupted, and as a result, you lost confidence and faith and courage in the things that you knew to be true. On the other side of that, the biggest and the best Changes in your life were birthed most often out of a change of mindset. And what David is trying to do here, he's trying to make sure that the painful and hurtful and overwhelming consequences that he finds himself in, that he doesn't let them steal away a mindset of faith and confidence in God's control. That's what he's trying to do here. More so than, than to make a statement to God, more so than to make just a statement to you and I that we can read and encourage and, and, and agree with, he is speaking to himself because he knows, I am in a dire situation, but there is no way I'm going to even come close to having a, 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 a victory here if I lose my mindset of God's sovereignty and control in the moment. Now then, I'm going to read it again. And I want you to hear me, listen to me read it thinking from that standpoint of what David is trying to do. Hear how he is talking to his mindset. Hear how he's trying to protect his mindset. Hear how he's trying to build up his mindset because he knows that if he has that built up, he will have the confidence and the strength and the courage and the resolve to continue on. If he loses it and it becomes deteriorated or it becomes corrupted, all hope is lost. Listen to it. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. He's just acknowledging. I acknowledge this situation is overwhelming, and I don't have the answer. But listen to how he shifts here, and what's he addressing? He's addressing his own mindset. He's trying to build up the confidence of that mindset. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. 
my glory, the, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. You could add on to that. Hey, you hear that mindset? That's really what he's doing. He's like, he's saying all these things. He's like, hey, are you listening mindset? Verse five, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Do you hear that mindset? Are you listening mindset? Because what you got to understand is I lie down and sleep, but I wake again because the Lord sustains me. You hear that mindset? Here he's talking to. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. For the Lord, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. You see it now? You see who he's talking to? It's not so much you and me. We get to peer in and see what he's doing. It's not so much God. It is the mindset within David he is addressing in this. You look at Scripture. You see this happening. God has taught us throughout his word that our mindset is key to having our life changed and moved on to something better. And if we neglect our mindset, we neglect it at our own peril. And as you read scripture, you kind of see this theme popping up in several different places. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul writes this. Do not conform your pattern to the, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now think about what he's saying. He's saying, listen, what I'm concerned about is your mind. In fact, if you want to be transformed, here's how you do it. If you want your life to become something better than it is right now, here's how you do it. You focus on your mind. Why? Because he knows out of the mind is birthed the mindset. And the mindset will ultimately determine whether you will continue to walk in the, in the, in the direction that God is calling you to walk. And the plan and the purpose of God with confidence and faith that will keep you going, especially in times of chaos, it all comes back to what is happening in your mind. Because out of your mind comes your mindset. Paul writes later in, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, uh, is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about or set your mind on such things. Paul is addressing the health of our mind. Why? Because out of the mind is birth the mindset. And whatever mindset you have at any particular moment, will determine how much courage and confidence and, and strength and resolve you have. And ultimately, that mindset is going to determine and dominate what you ultimately do. David gets that. He gets it really doesn't matter what I want, where I want to be, where I want to go. You can even have a great vision for your life. But if your mindset is corrupted or or, or, or deteriorates, you won't accomplish that vision for your life. You'll give up long before it comes. And David gets that. And he understands that painful and hurtful events and circumstances, listen, David understands that painful and hurtful circumstances and events of our life, what they attack most is they attack our mindset. And when our mindset becomes crushed, when our mindset becomes corrupted, 
when our mindset becomes eroded, we lose confidence in ourselves. We lose confidence in God. We lose strength in ourselves. We lose courage. And ultimately, our ability to walk and live out God's purpose for our life, our potential, our growth, our faith, all of these things become threatened. Because in the end, where our mindset is at any particular moment has a dominating effect over where we ultimately end up going. So let me ask you this question. How's your mindset today? How's your mindset today? You know what influences our mindset more than anything else? It's the voices that we listen to. It's the voices that we listen to. This week, uh, I, was, uh, I was invited to spend a day in Atlanta. And it was this, this thing called a mastermind. It was only about 10 people. And all these 10 people were high-capacity entrepreneurs. And leading them was this guy out of Phoenix, Arizona, which is a guy, he's, he's made a lot of entrepreneurs, high-capacity entrepreneurs, uh, just organize themselves where they became very, very successful. And I'm just watching this whole thing unfold. And I was amazed because going into this, this guy is a, a, you know, a funnel guru on, on social media, and, he's, and he has all this pedigree of taking all these people and making them millionaires and all this, and it was a small group. And so I was really kind of curious of what it was going to be about as I sat, and I just kind of watched it from a guy that invited me just to kind of watch the thing unfold. So I was just watching it. So I was expecting he was going to come back with, you know, here, Here's a successful way to organize your business, and here's a successful way to do this, and here's how you use social media and all this kind of, and he did ultimately get to that. But what blew me away, especially since I, was a, I knew I was about to preach this, wrote this a couple weeks ago, the first two hours, not first 10, 15, 20 minutes, the first two hours he spent on this. He started out and saying, hey, I want everybody, and there's just, like I said, 10 people there. Yeah, I want all you guys, gals, I want you to give, I want you to think of that one word about you that you think is the word that you got to have about yourself, a descriptive word about yourself. I can't remember exactly how he put it, but a word about yourself that will make you successful, that, that will make you confident, that will make you have, have, the, have the, the belief that you can do this. And I was all of a sudden kind of richer with me. He's kind of talking to people's mindset here. And then he goes on and he says, I want you to introduce yourself with that word. I want you to stand up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I am, and say that one word. Everybody did. Stand up, and it was amazing. The words, hey, I'm Bob, and I am confident, one guy said. Another, guy, another girl stood up, and she said, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm enough. To get this done, I have what it takes. And they went through things. Someone said, I am skilled, and someone said, I am uh, desired, someone said. And they just came up with these one words. And then he did this. He said, that word that you told me was not the most important word. What the most important word is the opposite of that. Because the reason you said you were capable, the reason you said you were enough, the reason you said that you were desired or skilled, all that, is because, and, and why you made it a first, moment, a, a first point in this moment is because somewhere down the road, somebody did something or said something to you or a set of circumstances communicated to you that you were not that thing. If you said you were capable, somewhere down the line, somebody or some set of circumstances communicated to you that you weren't capable. 
And somewhere down the line, for you said you're enough, somebody communicated or some set of circumstances communicated that you weren't enough and went on to every one of them. You weren't desirable. You weren't skilled. And he says, you need to address that. And he actually had these people stand up and say, I am so-and-so and address the person or set of circumstances. And said, I am, and followed it. I am. Like one girl, she stood up. And I had talked to her a little bit. She already had this very successful social media. She had a very strong presence in front of her. And she stood up. And she said, I am so-and-so. Said her name. And she said, Bob, and name that person. I am enough. And burst into tears and walked out for a while. And I was blown away. As I sat there and watched all this, uh, this unfold, this guy who is a, a guru on helping people get their business and organized uh, and startups, he's a startup guru, and help people make millions. He didn't start with business nuts and bolts on how to do things. He started with a people's mindset. And he said, when he finished, he said, you know, we spent two hours on that. And I believe that's the most important thing we're going to do today. But I'll give you the other stuff as well. He got what David got. He got that the most important thing to propel you forward, especially in difficult circumstances, is your mindset. And the things that shapes our mindset more than anything else is the voices we allow speak into our life. You've got all kinds of voices speaking into your life all the time. Some of them are tangible voices. There's family, there's friends, there's coworkers. This morning, you're here, you're allowing me to speak into your life. I'm one of the voices now that's speaking into your life. There's all kinds of tangible voices speaking into your life. There's, there's ones that are intangible as well. Circumstances speak into your life. Your own insecurities are speaking into your life. There are so many voices are constantly speaking into your life, and you can't stop that. The question is, what voices are you listening to the most? Maybe you don't even know. Maybe you haven't thought about it. That's the problem. You're not thinking about the voices that you are listening to the most because you fail to understand the voices that you listen to the most are the ones that are going to shape your mindset about you and about life, about what's possible. And whatever mindset you develop is the mindset that's going to determine whether you can move forward in courage and confidence and strength or whether you just become over, overcome in the moment. It's the mindset, it's the voices that we listen to. And that's what David is trying to do right here. He's trying to make his voice one that he listens to, a voice based in truth of God. So what voices are you listening to the most? Maybe there's some voices you need to do that to. You need to stand up to and say, you know what? Maybe you need, <laughs> you, you need to say it to them directly. Maybe not. Maybe you need to do just like they did at this event. You just need to stand up and say, hey, Bob, Sal, Mary, I am enough. I am prized. Hey, Satan, I am forgiven. I am loved. And whatever it is that they communicated that you bought into that you're not, you need to just address that. But here's the thing. It's about the voices you listen to, but why it's about that is because the voices that you listen to Determine your mindset. And why that is important is your mindset ultimately comes at any one season. The mindset you have in that moment, that's the thing, your mindset can change. But the mindset you have at any one moment is going to have the dominating effect 
on how much courage and strength and resolve and faith and belief you have and ultimately will determine your actions and reactions in that moment. Most faith battles, most battles of confidence, most battles of strength, most uh, battles of, of courage are not won or lost in the physical realm. I would even say they're not even won or lost in the spiritual realm. They are won or lost in whatever mindset we embrace in a particular moment. So let me ask you, how's your mind?